0: Hey everybody, welcome in to the Hockey Show Podcast. We are back in August because that's when a hockey show returns in August, but it's due to the fact that there are some things to actually discuss. It worked out pretty good. Uh, I'm Mr. Wonderful. With me as always, my buddy, John. Hello. Hello. And and our past history has always confirmed we
1: do not need hockey to be happening to have a podcast. About
0: no, hockey. we've we when we started our first rendition of this show, we were in a lockout, <laughs> and still we're doing a show. But yeah, we became like business negotiation we, experts. It yeah, was wonderful. I did learn a lot about cash ruling everything around me. Cream. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> well, well, let me ask
1: you this. Okay, topic. what? is the worst possible gift you can give someone for a wedding (laughs) not the worst one you received but if i was hypothetically trying to get the worst thing possible like the thing that is like the most useless but the person cannot be mad at you because you did technically bring them a gift because i thought about this going for you i don't even know i was thinking i was thinking gift card dispensers gifts like that maybe yeah, you know, every married couple needs a poster of an alien smoking weed. Uh, we all need that. I mean, that. you see this uh, blank I canvas
0: on a wall behind me. It needs to be decorated.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I also considered uh, for a little bit uh, like Brookstone or uh, Sky Mall or any of those really Sky. like places that sell like items that are way too expensive and not that useful, but like... My you throw a gift card at somebody yeah they'll get the weird massaging chair thing that kind of hurts or the tiny little
0: robotic drone or whatever hey a drone living by the beach that's that would have been the way to go uh honestly i don't know what the worst one would be because you know me i find uses for everything or I just kind of forget about it and move on with my life and go, eh, it is what it is. You know, live in
1: that. Well, then let's rank everything you received, starting at the very bottom and working
0: our way. Um, uh, <laughs> no, you don't know what? No, I'm not going to do that because everybody gave some really generous gifts. I was very grateful. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> over July as well, uh, wedding reception happened. So I got to see John and uh, his fiance as well. So they got to see what, what they're yes. in store for, where every time you sit down to just have a second to talk to somebody, somebody comes along and goes, we need you.
1: <laughs> I tried. You did.
0: Everybody, everybody I was really down. helpful. Everybody was really good. Everybody was feeding me beers, which was wonderful as well. Uh, I just wish I got more time with everybody. Cause you just get pulled in a hundred directions. It feels like the minute you settle in with one person, <laughs> yeah. you get pulled to start talking to somebody else. Um, yeah, but I feel like anyone that's been to a wedding knows to expect that. Yeah, so. yeah. You you get a little bit of time and then it's like, because you got so many, uh, so many babies to shake and hands to kiss or scratch that, reverse it. Yeah, You know what I mean.
2: <laughs> uh,
0: so yeah, uh, luckily though, during all of that time and during a move for me, not much happened since the last time we did a show. There was that free agent frenzy and then everything just kind of held up. There were some, you know, there have been some signings here and there. But it seems like it's been a lot of the restricted free agent signing, uh, just kind of locking up with their teams. The last real big one, uh, probably Zegers and Lafreniere, are the last two big ones that haven't signed yet. But they're going to sign no matter what stupid fan yeah. cast you might be floating out of your team, giving them a huge contract to steal them away. Because your team's not giving up a first-round draft pick. Um,
1: And in addition to that, flat yeah. cap arbitration are coming up like people are going to hammer
0: everybody's going to be play every restricted free agent resigning with their team uh but it feels like things slowed down and then we've just been waiting on where will eric carlson land in that sweepstakes and it's finally over after newly appointed general manager uh dubis decided i'm gonna pull the trigger in pittsburgh and get carlson to probably his best fit uh, and the best team that you could yep. put them on. And man, what a trade. Let's just let's just jump into this and let's look at the trade and then we'll break it down. So it is the Penguins getting Eric Carlson. They also get forward Rem Pitlick, forward Dylan uh, Ham- Hamliuk and San Jose's uh, third in 2026, while the Sharks get the Penguins 2024 first round pick, top 10 protected, forward McDonough, uh, Grandland uh, as well as Hoffman and defenseman Jan Ruta and the Canadians get the Penguins 2025 second round pick as well as defenseman Jeff Petrie goalie Casey DeSmith, and forward Nathan Laguerre uh, the Sharks also retain 1.5 million of Carlson's salary 13% over the next four years and the Penguins retain 25% of Petrie's salary at 1.56 million John, your thoughts?
1: I honestly, I love this move for Pittsburgh because they're with, with where they're at as a team. Latang's aging out, Malkin's aging out, Crosby's aging out. Jeff Carter is a shell of what he once was. Like everyone on this team is kind of getting over the hill. So you can blow it up, trade everyone away, uh, you know, hit the reset button uh, or you can continue to try to go all in and squeeze everything you possibly can out of this core. And the Penguins have decided to squeeze everything they possibly can out of this core. Uh, If you're a Penguin fan, uh, getting to see Eric Carlson sounds a whole lot better than, you know, hey, come see Lars Eller play. Uh but for for what this team accomplished last year with what they probably want to try to accomplish this year, uh getting uh Eric Carlson for not that much consequential pieces outside of that first, uh is a fantastic move for
0: them. Agreed. Very much agreed. Uh I I love this move for the penguins, you nailed it. Uh Crosby's 36. This is the all in move, and it's a move that's centered around Sidney Crosby. You want to get Eric Carlson here to give Crosby the chance to compete in the postseason, and Carlson will give you that possibility. Uh, I mean, the guy's Norris Trophy winning defenseman just won it, won it prior to that as well, so multiple times for him. Um, He's an offensive player, you know we know what his weaknesses are, but we know what his value is and how good of a player he is and what he brings to a team. uh you know, I't shark fans might be like, what?" but you know, there is a lot more going on there than Eric Carlson being the issue in San Jose guys uh so yeah, this yeah. is this is a good
1: and, move. And- yeah. And realistically, that's been the biggest knock against Eric Carlson is that his defensive game really took a step back in San Jose. Uh, but with everything going on in San Jose, I don't know how motivated I would be to play defense either. So I kind of get it. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him try a little bit more on a team that maybe has different expectations for how their year is going to go uh, rather than just, you know, figuring out how you're going to draft at the bottom of the league. Uh speaking of drafting at the bottom of the league, uh Montreal gets a decent backup goalie and a uh, old favorite defenseman returning uh for a uh for just retaining a bit of salary there. I thought that was a pretty uh, smart move on their part. I I kind of wish other teams had gone had tried to get in on it to make that a little bit more competitive uh but uh, the the other thing from the penguins perspective is getting rid of petrie and getting rid of grandland like if they were involved in a trade for just about anything else and that that could have been the main takeaway was getting some of the dead weight off their team and it's like oh and by the way eric carlson's coming to town with along with it so it, it's almost kind of the burying the lead a bit for them is that they're They're improving by addition and subtraction at the same time.
0: The Sharks, to me, really made out poorly in all of this because you're right. The Canadians, I love getting like second and third round picks. Uh, That's where you can really... That's like to me where drafts are really won is the depth of your draft and and how you do in the later rounds. Uh, But you get Petrie, good defenseman. He's going to kind of sure things up for them on the right side. The Smith, a decent backup for them. Laguerre coming in as well, uh, you know, not a bad pickup for them, plus Petrie's salary's uh, being retained a little bit, so he's kind of discounted. So you can realistically retain again and then flip him at the deadline for more assets if you're the Canadians. So that that's a good move for them. Uh, San Jose, though, like you said, Granlin, that contract is – Bloated, and they were able the penguins were able to get rid of it they were able you know they got rid of petries by eating a little bit of it but they had the defensive log jam there and they wanted carlson that's a better replacement uh and the sharks getting hoffman as well like okay he's gonna up your scoring a little bit but that's really all he's gonna do
1: do, do you know about the history between hoffman and carlson
0: uh was it their wives or something in, in Ottawa okay yeah
1: back back when they were in Ottawa together uh back when Ottawa was good uh mike hoffman's uh girlfriend at the time uh got busted making uh fake instagram accounts or as as i understand it's known finsta accounts <laughs> uh to harass eric carlson's wife for things i'd rather not get into uh but it did add a little bit of humor to this trade. Is it's uh, people that remember it just going? Ah, I remember. Still can't that. get away from uh, him, can you, there, Hoffman? <laughs> I I thought it was good to be reminded that Mike Hoffman was even yeah. in the league. Uh, but, yeah, and, and I thought it was interesting with this being Mike Greer's first really. Big
0: trade well, or his really big task. I would GM. say second because uh, wasn't he um, Timo Meyer? Yeah, he was Timo
1: Meyer too. But that was kind of that. I felt like that was almost an open and shut case compared to something like this, where he had to yeah. like move Timo Meyer or lose him. Like, it, I I felt like from San Jose's standpoint, if you didn't move Eric Carlson this year, you're not going to lose out on a ton compared to what you get for them with something like the trade sure. deadline potentially Point. and so if if i would have imagined someone in mike greer's shoes right now would have almost preferred to just kind of set a tone and kind of say hey you guys haven't done trades with me before i have a price in mind and i'm not going to move from it even if it means my asset depreciates. But instead, he made a move that they still had a decent return, just maybe not quite everything the Sharks were hoping for. But uh, they, they mentioned that there were two teams uh, still like in on Carlson as late as Sunday. And there's multiple teams that can take on a $10 million defenseman for three years that he would actually consider going to. I have a hard time believing that. Uh, but you know, he, uh, Mike Greer makes it happen. I don't think we're going to be expecting a ton from the sharks coming up here, but, uh, you know, Mike Hoffman's there. You gotta,
0: you gotta have hey, someone play. With you got you gotta sure sell something to the season ticket holders, right? You know, that's, that's yeah. That's something to sell. Uh, all right. So, you know, the trade happened. Penguins, Canadians did pretty good. Sharks, you know, as you point out as well for Mike Greer, that's, And I'll even use Timo Meyer. of, yeah, he had to move him, but the return he got, uh, you know, we could give him a pass during the season, but to see that he got kind of something less for the Norris trophy winning defenseman um, makes me say that maybe, you know, maybe you might want to take a peek at that. doesn't seem like uh, it's, it's kind of a rough start out there for him. Uh, I do want to make, Mention of this as well. Uh, Penguins did announce that Jake uh, Gensel is expected to miss around five games. He had ankle surgery. So that really uh, helps the Carlson. Like that really kind of makes the Carlson move a good one as well for the Penguins of that's Carlson. Somebody that can help drive that offense as uh, Gensel's out because it's not going to be Lars Eller.
1: Yeah, and for what what the Penguins are going to be looking at this year, I feel like this isn't a year you expect them to finish towards the top of that division. They're pretty much going to be in playoff mode as soon as October November hits. I feel like for what they're looking at this year, every game is more than likely going to end up counting. So not having Jake Gensel there is definitely going to
0: hurt. Yeah. yeah. Uh... All right. The person that I guess was waiting, even though it's very head scratching to see the move afterwards, but uh, someone that we were all waiting to see where they go after Eric Carlson finally landed. And that is Matt Gumba. Uh, and Gumba is going to the Arizona coyotes one year, 3.9 million. The 29 year old uh, wrapped up his 10 seasons with the wild this past year, after it became pretty clear that uh there was just no room in the cap for Minnesota to make it happen if they wanted to keep him there, but also they got Brock Faber, that rookie that's totally ready to play top four minutes and slide into his spot. Uh, but the Coyotes sign a defenseman. They get a guy that's going to eat up a chunk of the time on the blue line for them.
1: Yeah. And, and it definitely seems as though, uh, not not what Matt Dumba had originally planned for this stage of his career, but he is far from the only player that is going to be uh, just kind of trying to float things for another year and hoping the cap goes up uh, for him so he can cash in better next year. And uh, from Arizona's standpoint, you know, you gotta have a veteran there for your uh, younger players to look up to and, you know, no, no, offense to uh you know kerfoot or Bugstad or any of those other guys that are on the team uh but for defensemen especially you want some kind of presence back there and uh that and as far as uh value goes for matt dumba you could have done a lot worse for that money
0: you could have i'm just intrigued by you know like for arizona yeah this is great 3.9 million they gotta get to the cap, cap for somehow so Dumba is going to be a guy that helps them get there. Uh, you know that unless by some miracle the Coyotes have a great year and Dumba is having a fabulous year on the blue line helping them out, uh, he's probably going to be moved at the deadline anyway. So it's, it is yeah. it is the bet on myself for the one year with the cap going up next year. But when I see that one year, $3.9 and the fact that we were waiting for the Carlson move, waiting for the Carlson move, because we assume that whoever didn't land Eric Carlson, like this was going to be Pittsburgh's backup if they didn't get him. This was going to be whatever team's backup. So, why did it take so long for him to announce a, a, a signing with Arizona? It's not like, you know, you're telling me that he wouldn't take a one year deal for like $2 million to play in Boston or, or, or with the Islanders or somebody that you know is going to be a competitor.
1: Well, I feel like Arizona is going to provide a very unique opportunity for him there in that uh, at $3.9 million, he's already their highest paid <laughs> defenseman. He is, he's clearly going to be the power play quarterback. He's going to be the top line minutes uh, guy there. I feel like the uh, number of other teams that would have, A, given him a lot of money, and B given him that level of playing time, playing time, there probably wasn't any other combination out there for that. So I think that's probably what took this long for him to decide. It was, you know, Hey, Boston has some cap space freed up. Now, do I want to go somewhere like that? Or do I want to go to Arizona and be the guy?
0: I mean, and yes, if you're betting on yourself and you're hoping that you can then turn that into, you know, a five, six year, six million dollar contract and all of that seven million you know if the cap goes up as much as it does but yeah you turn yourself into the big prime time going into 30. somebody will convince themselves to give you the big contract so yeah it is a gamble on yourself but it's just oh it's just interesting you know interesting mindset to see him take the bet on himself it's good to see him do it but you know the you know it's just why not ask that question of why couldn't like Boston him for 2 million or somebody like, or Toronto? Yeah. And at,
1: at a, at a certain point, I think it has to linger in NHL players. minds. sometimes is like every shift you take is potentially your mm-hmm. last, you know, it, whether it's a catastrophic knee injury or back injury or something like there's something to be said about knowing you have 3.9 million coming your way that, Probably
0: makes you a little bit more comfortable sure. as well, and especially in this economy, I
1: would speculate.
0: Uh, and speaking of uh, people yep. making some money, banking it, and setting themselves up long term, the Washington Capitals announced that Tom Wilson and them have agreed nope. to a seven-year, forty-five point five million extension. This will keep Wilson uh, all the way through the 2030-31 season with the Capitals. The contract will carry an average annual value of $6.5 He is 29 years old this past season, recorded 13 goals and 9 assists. Uh, this is your next captain, by the way, of the Washington Capitals.
1: <laughs> That's what I was saying, too. It's like once Ovechkin's out of there, Tom Wilson's, Definitely, that's what this contract means. He's going to be around long enough to start wearing the oh, yeah. C. And and I was I was trying to think of the best way to kind of describe what Tom Wilson is as a player at this point. And uh, I had something after dinner here today. Do you know what Underberg is? Thanks. No, I do not. It's a European digestive thing it has a big licorice taste to it it has a little bit of alcohol but not a significant amount it's it's like how jagermeister is used in europe versus how it's marketed to frat boys hey. like us. uh yeah so so underberg is not something you drink to get drunk it's not something you have for the look of it it's something you consume for a very utilitarian purpose You're doing it to get a job done. You're not, you know, in love with a licorice taste. You want something to kind of help the digestive process along. Uh, Tom Wilson, you don't have him on your team because you know it's going to, you know, attract a bunch of positive attention. You don't have him there because you know he's going to put butts in seats, scoring 40 goals, but he's going to serve an important purpose. And that's why you have him there. Uh, I don't know if it's six and a half million dollars of an important purpose. Uh, there's something to be said about loyalty and rewarding people for what they've done. But at the same time, you know, that kind of went out the window when the salary cap came into play. So uh surprised to see that high of a number for him, for sure. Uh, he's going to be 30 when his contract starts. I'm sure his style of game ages very well. But, uh, so, yeah, a lot, lot of concern about that, but uh, I'm sure Capitals fans are over the moon about it. And let's be real, the 6.5 for Tom Wilson isn't going to cost him a playoff. Uh,
0: it's not, but it is one of those where at 29, coming up on 30, his style of play. And if you look at the advanced metrics, it's all downhill. It's all downhill to where this oh, yeah. is going to be the milan Lucic. 2.0 contract in where it's going to eat up a nice chunk of cap space. Uh, now, thankfully the cap will go up and go up as much as like $10 million next year, potentially. Um, yeah, we said that. last Yeah, year, I know too. we'll see what actually happens. Uh, so realistically the cap's going up $1 million. So by the, you know, so 6.5 is going to eventually hurt for a guy that is not really producing and is going to start showing that physical age. Is he also going to be playing top six minutes for you? And at 6'5", you know, yeah, for right now he is. For the next two years, you have that top six player still, that power play guy, and all of that. By the time he gets to 33, 34, 6.5, and then he's your captain, it's just going to be named. And this to me also feels like a move of where it is the continuation of the OV and continuing to just pad for OV because logic says you shouldn't sign him if you're already locked in on all those other contracts.
1: Yeah. And especially for that length yeah. of time like that we have we've seen plenty of captains be perfectly effective being second third line players dustin brown won two stanley cups mm-hmm. that way uh what just stands out to me for it the most is like tom wilson uh played in only 33 games last year uh because he wasn't healthy uh, year before that, he played in seventy eight, which was perfectly fine. He had fifty two points in those uh, seventy eight games, which is fine, but it's not worth the five point one million he was getting before. Uh, like, like it's it's something something where it seemed like they just really didn't want to play hardball in any sort of negotiation. You Know, I feel like any other team would have said, Look, you can have term or you can have a high AAV, but you're not going to have both. So
0: tell us which one you want, sort of thing.
1: Whereas, uh, Tom Wilson got both,
0: yeah. And and it, it and you're right, it is a reward. He's he's a capital. This is what you got to do to keep your guy here. If you want to keep him a capital for life, you overpay him. Uh, I did see, uh, oh, god, it was uh, Jesper uh the caps blog guy um oh yeah uh, thank you uh i don't know why i always want to call him jesper uh but yes he shared uh so another caps writer was breaking down like the contract and all of that and looking at the analytics Uh, yes by the time that ov's gone and he is being paid 6.5 million to be the captain he would be one of the lowest paid captains in the league you know so it's not like it's one of those like understand. oh but where like it was a way to try and justify the paying him thing in my eyes where it's like but he'll be like the third lowest paid captain yeah because the coyotes are paying somebody like two million dollars to be their captain just to try and make the cap floor like you have like you're supposed to be a competitive team right your captain shouldn't be that low to the being paid that low in my eyes
1: Yeah, and, and who's to say that Ryan Leonard doesn't totally live up to yeah. the uh, Kachuk comparisons and is your captain guy? Yeah, that. you sure. know, it's I don't know. Yeah, it, it's it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to predict going forward for it. But you're you're absolutely right when you say a lot of this is about. Getting Ovechkin, his record, Uh, I feel like Wilson spent most of his time on the top Mm -hmm. line, opposite of Ovi with some combination of Strom or Backstrom in between them, probably more Strom at this point, Uh, but yeah, that is kind of what you have him there for, what you're looking at you're you're maybe not as worried about year five or six as you are worried about years one and two and realistically the way the nhl goes through general managers
0: year five and six
1: may not even be
0: your uh yeah he might be out of there by year four in all honesty uh if you know buy out, trade something like that there will be a team out there that would be willing to take him i don't actually i don't even remember if he had a no move clause, clause but i imagine he's got a no trade. uh 17 17 17- 17 curious who are those seven teams are yeah
1: yeah well it'll you probably submit something like that at the beginning yeah. of the season
0: or whenever you're asked yeah. them, still very think. i'd be very surprised to see where he would accept the trade to. uh all right yeah uh we'll see how that plays out for now l- listen if he's healthy Great, but I give that contract up to about three years before it starts to become a little bit of a albatross for the Capitals there. Uh, now moving on to some sad news. Uh, I, I'm going to say sad news because it sucks to see a good hockey player walk away. 19 seasons, all with Boston, and Patrice Bergeron called it a career.
1: Yeah, I... I break the internet trying to find a funny story to share about him kind of like i did with the hall of fame guys could not find a single one uh could drown myself in stories of him going to see kids at hospitals Mm -hmm. or just being a really good guy to be around uh as we remember when there was all the controversy about who boston was signing and drafting he was someone that spoke up about it uh you know, as much as I maybe don't have the most love for the Boston Bruins, it's one of the things to where, like, in your mind when you're saying like "screw the Bruins," like it's it. There's like a parenthesis next to like. Except Patrice Bergeron, True. got no problem
0: yeah. with that guy. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, you're you're right. Because when I was like doing the, oh man, let me look at the stories. Let me read the stories. Every story about him is just how humble he is. How very basic he was, how even his retirement announcement was no pomp and circumstance because that's never been him. He's just always kind of been the very quiet, even keel guy that does a lot of great things, is always involved in the community, loved Boston, loves people, like everything you'd want one of your leaders on your team to be. Like you said, he was somebody as well that spoke up, you, you know, had the balls to speak up against management publicly. And, and let's not forget also uh the, the whole
1: thing about his entire career is a couple of years into it, it was almost over because of concussions. Yeah. So this wasn't a guy that just kind of like slid into the league and was instantly, you know, fantastic at everything. I mean, he kind of was, <laughs> but like he had some real serious things to overcome here. And I think it really speaks to his legacy when there's teams like the penguins tweeting out, uh, you know, happy retirement. So great competing against you and stuff like that. You know, just the the fact that he had that level of impact around the rest of the league really says a lot about him. And, it's not even a debate at this point, right? He's kind of an instant Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, right? he's
0: he's a first ballot for sure. Four hundred and twenty-seven goals, six hundred and thirteen assists for ten hundred and forty points over a thousand two hundred and ninety-four games. Like, yeah, he he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's got the Stanley Cups. Like, he yeah, he is. One hundred percent, go into uh, the hall and deserves it. Like a hell of a career.
1: Yeah. Now let me ask you this. To me, there's two type of player retirements. There's Nicholas Lidstrom and there's Peter Forsberg. Okay. Nicholas Lidstrom, rather famously, was a Norris Trophy nominee at the end of his career, uh and one thing that he really said that stood out to me in his press conference when he was retiring was I wanted to walk away from the game before the game walked away Mm -hmm. from me. And it says that you want to go out on top. You, you know that you're remembered for the last thing that you did sometimes and you want to be remembered as that really good dominant player. Then there's Peter Forsberg. Did you know Forsberg played for the Predators? I do remember that famously he played for the seven 17 games with the predators um most of it spent trying on different hockey boots something that could work with his ankle his foot he had a series of injuries you had to drag this guy off of the ice because he just refused to stop playing and you know being an NHLer, even if you're making league minimum or something, it's a pretty sweet lifestyle. Hanging out with the boys, you know, practice yeah. a little bit, and the rest of the days yourselves. Sometimes, like it's it's a pretty cool lifestyle. So I, I I'm not hating on Peter Forsberg by any means, but what what do you kind of prefer to see
0: with your guys? Do you like to see the Lidstrom style, or do you like to see the Forsberg style? Uh, yeah, I feel like. Lidstrom, you always want to see them go out uh, before the game. Fully passes them up because you know all of a sudden your some of your fading memories of them will be the shell of themselves. You know, I'm I'm kind yeah. of I'm kind of thankful. Like as a Rangers fan, I'm kind of thankful that Hendrik Lundquist, You know, like as horrible as that situation is, aside, like I'm happy that he didn't continue playing. That it was like okay, he went out when he went out. You know, again, different situation because he also had the hard thing uh, that, you know. and also
1: different situation because at the very end of his career, not under contract with the New York Rangers.
0: Yeah, but you know, he
1: was set to go be the backup in Washington.
0: But that's yeah, the Kevin, thing like, like, I'm that has that... to make a difference too, right? But, well, yes and no. Uh, I'm just happy that like we didn't see backup Henrik Lundqvist. That it was always starting Henrik Lundqvist. That's where it was. Uh, but maybe that's a bad comparison. Uh, I'm trying to think of guys that like stuck around a little too long. That uh, I, I've got
1: a great example. Okay, for lay it on me. Uh, this is so. This is someone I watched win two Stanley Cups with Detroit. And the thing that stands out in my memory the most about him is he played across from Zach Bogosian who uh, was so young compared to him that this player was 18 years old when Zach Bogosian was born. And it was Chris yeah. Chelios doing his seven games with Atlanta thrashers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Chelios. Once you said, uh, I, I watched him and loved him and I was like, Oh, he's going to say Chelios. Cause like, yeah. I, Chelio should have been done by the time he was, he, he had won in Detroit. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. That, he, he, he did
1: not play very much that last year. No, no. But like, but like uh, a guy like Gretzky, uh,
0: for instance, Gretzky definitely could have kept trying to ride it out for like another. He could have done the Messier thing and wrote it out to like he's 45. Maybe Messier, because while Messier wasn't bad at the end of his career, it was still meh. Or Yager. Yager is a great example currently where it's like, dude, just, yeah. you know, like, cause what do you remember those last, like, that last year and a half? You had that one year where you were like, oh my God, Yager's still a 50 goal scorer in like his, in like his year 42 season. And then the next like year and a half, he had like five goals. And it was like, oh. yeah, we're like, like
1: Yager played so long, he went from being superstar on the Penguins to you have to remind people he played for the yeah. Penguins. That's how long Yager yeah. played. And, and when you mentioned when you mentioned Gretzky specifically, in the last part of it, uh, I think I remember at some point, like some show, it may have been TNT, like mentioned something to him about like getting, uh, you know oh, catching 894, and they're like, oh, like, didn't you want to go, like, one more year, get a round number at 900? And he's like, guys, I had nine goals my last year. Like, I was done. (laughs) Having that awareness from a player like that, I thought was so great to see. But for, for, you know, different people have different things, and that's half the reason Yager's not in the Hall of Fame now, is he won't freaking stop
0: playing. It's, yeah, yeah, he's... He's one that I can think of, but yeah, no, I, 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 to answer, to really answer it, I prefer when players go out on top. Yeah. Uh, just any sport as well, uh, really truthfully. Cause you hate to see, like, you hate to see that guy, like Jordan coming back for that second post retirement when he played for the wizards with the wizards, it's like, eh, yeah. and like the Hornets and stuff. It's like, eh, eh, why dude? Like,
1: oh yeah yeah yeah,
0: like like he still had some big games but it wasn't michael jordan it it was you know it was just oh yeah the name now the name recognition is there
1: uh for anyone wondering at home uh yaromir yager still playing for the klondo knights the team that he played for uh juniors and that he's part owner of now uh, he played 26 games last year and had more penalty minutes than points. I'll leave wow. it at that.
0: Wow. Well, you know, eventually you got to become a goon. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, enjoy retirement. Patrice Bergeron. Uh, and, yeah, there you go. Uh, so some things are shaking in the women's hockey world. You were you, – you didn't really tell me what was going on. You just were like, dude, I got some yeah. things to tell you about.
1: Yeah, so so there has been a lot of movement here. In and, and granted, when I first started like putting all of this together, I like it was a lot more recent. But some other information's kind of shaken out since then. Uh, so to kind of give you, I'm going to start by giving you a quick history lesson here. Uh, Canadian Women's Hockey League founded in 2007, highest level of women's hockey for the longest time. Uh, in 2015 the premier hockey federation comes along playing mostly in the United States, but also Canada uh, really breaks ground because they're the first league to pay their players before that is you have a day job and you also kind of do this on the weekends and things like that. Uh, so the, naturally there's a huge exodus of American players and some Canadians uh, for the premier hockey federation and the national hockey league, It's kind of caught in the middle here because they expressed uh, clear interest in wanting to help grow the women's game, especially, you know, as popular as a sentiment like that would be then. Uh, But they also really don't want to pick a side in all of this between, you know, existing leagues. So they kind of say, you know, love to help out, but uh, yeah, not going to take that PR hit. Uh, so the CWHL starts paying their players in 2017. Uh, this leads to a decent. And, and granted, these aren't like
0: livable salaries. This is like they're, 10, they're not being grand. paid. Uh, but you know, Connor Bedard uh, is going to be. They're not even making Connor Bedard money.
1: <laughs> yeah, but but just the fact that they're even getting paid yeah. to play the game. Huge, especially for younger women looking up to them. Uh, 2019 rolls around. Uh, the CWHL folds due to uh, financial instability. Uh, and of course the pandemic happens. so that maybe, maybe this was merciful for it to end then versus in a year or two. Uh, so the Premier Hockey Federation's the last one standing. And uh, shortly thereafter... 200 of the top women's players announced they will not be participating in the P- Premier Hockey Federation due to concerns over the business model and long-term viability. And we're talking Marie Philippe, Philippe Poulin, uh, Hillary Knight, Kendall Coin Schofield. Th- these are, you know, very top-end players, not just like a random hodgepodge of people got together to yeah. do this. This group forms... The PWHPA, Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. And they've played some showcase events for years, but they weren't really willing to work with the Premier Hockey Federation. Uh, so naturally, a whole bunch of roster spots open up here. And uh, about a month ago, the Mark Walter Group and Billie Jean King Enterprises, you remember Billie Jean King?
0: She's not my lover. Yeah. I'm joking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not quite uh but they this group purchases the phf and shuts yeah. it down voids player contracts rather suddenly and they're going to be putting together their own league with uh the pwhpa uh we're going to have training camp in november puck drops going to be sometime around january and we know there's going to be six teams About a week later, PWHPA unanimously ratifies an eight-year CBA. And, like, reading about the CBA, which I never want to do like we did during the lockout, Mm -hmm. but this is pretty sweet stuff. Maternity leave, pregnancy benefits, relocation assistance, 35 k minimum salary, and there's also a clause that no more than nine players per team can be on the league minimum, so you're not just handing out, like, Bare bottom feeder contracts, and each team has to have at least six players uh, on three-year deals making at least eighty thousand. So the fact that they have all these stipulations put into it uh, means they're really trying to put something together for women's hockey, and people are very excited about it. uh and historically there's been like individual NHL teams that have done stuff to kind of try to support the women's game, but it's usually like your Toronto's, your Montreal's, your teams that just have money to burn and you can throw a rock in their city to find an ice rink. Uh, but the hope is that the NHL is going to be able to partner together with them now to kind of help have a more sustainable league. Uh, now, what a lot of the controversies come from, out with this deal is that everyone that's currently playing or was currently playing in the PHF, the league that got purchased and shut down is just kind of stuck in limbo. Cause like I said, there's 200 PWHPA members and there's about 70 uh, professional uh, women's hockey players on these teams that got shut down. So take six teams, 23 women roster. That's 138 roster spots. A lot of people are just going to lose out here and so there's been a lot of questions about what cities are going to be there what teams uh the league is already talking about expansion so that'll be something kind of exciting cool. to watch uh the two teams that are a given or the two cities that are a given from what i've read which shout out to Haley sullivan at the athletic by the way i, I took me a while to wrap my head around all of this and she made it make sense in two stories uh so well done there but the two the two cities for women's professional hockey toronto and montreal like i said total given uh the other ones are really high up on the list boston has always had strong support for their women's hockey teams and uh out of the team usa half of them came from minnesota okay. So there's a ton of support in Minneapolis for women's hockey as well. Uh, the maybe list. I thought you would think this is especially interesting. Uh, the maybe cities are Pittsburgh, Detroit, DC, New York, and London, Ontario, mm-hmm. home of the Knights. Yeah. yeah. So like, so there's there's a lot that could be done yeah. here, but I. I I was surprised at first to see DC on there, but the more I kind of thought about it, Ted Leonsis has always been a big vocal supporter of the WNBA. Uh, There's been, I read that a lot of like Washington capitals adjacent uh, women's events have always gone really well. Uh, DC might Be a really
0: easy. It would be. Um. So would New York. Those feel like those are the places where, like, WNBA kind of thrives as well, and kind of women's sports already have already have a foot like a foothold in the door. Yeah, and 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 like realistically, I I won't sit here
1: and pretend I know a ton about the WNBA, but I know that it's a real lit league that women get to play in and you can grow up as a little girl knowing that you could financially support yourself as a professional player in that Mm -hmm. league and realistically I think as far as a starting point goes I think that's all we really want to be able to see for a women's league is for there to be somewhere for you know everyone's daughters and sisters and whatever to end up having a chance to play in. Yeah. But something to keep an eye on It sounds like it's going to be cool.
0: That is cool. That's cool. Um, And then I think the last thing on our list, uh, you were telling me that you think we are in the midst of uh, a shift in goaltending.
1: Yes. Folks, we have entered the John ranting and raving portion
0: of the podcast. John rants. John rants. What you going to do? What you going to do? But listen now. What? Just go that. with it, man.
1: It. It's been a long <laughs> day. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, I'm happy and disappointed we don't have a sign <laughs> at the same time. So, so the, as I was watching Detroit Red Wings signings mm-hmm. come in, uh, they already got Billy Huso. Uh, signed James Reimer, uh, sub 900 save percentage, has a lot to say about the homosexual community. Uh, Alex Lyon, Single-handedly saved the Florida Panthers season. And uh, their big uh, draft splash from a couple years back, Sebastian Kosa. Probably stepping into the AHL. Maybe we'll see him play in the NHL this year. I don't know. Uh, so it stood out to me. That seems like a lot of goalies with NHL experience. And so I started poking around, looking at other teams. Uh Pittsburgh was my team for this uh, up until they traded Casey to Smith. Uh, But in addition to to Smith, they already had Tristan Jari as their starter and they signed Alex and and Mangus Helberg, who has NHL experience. Uh, Carolina Mm -hmm. was carrying three goalies for a lot of the year. Does not have again, mentioned this before with the Chicago wolves, the hurricanes do not have an AHL affiliate to send players to this year. Uh, They had Frederick Anderson, they had Antti Ranta, they had uh, Peter Kachekov, and they just re-signed all three of them. Uh, And the two teams we saw in the finals last year, Vegas had played five different goalies. Florida had Broboski, Spencer Knight, and Alex Lyon all play time. And I I could pick up other things uh, who Edmonton has and stuff like this, but what really stood out to me is there's, instead of just having – starter and backup, or 1A, 1B, I feel like we're almost starting to see, like, a whole carousel of goalies, like a whole bullpen of goalies, almost. And so part of me is starting to wonder if we're going to start seeing something a little bit more like baseball does with pitchers. Not where you're changing a mid-game, mind you, but where you have four or five of them on your team and you know you're gonna have your main starter probably but i would not be surprised to see a lot more teams this year put in a lot of effort to having a goalie that can just will start 10
0: games for you yeah uh i think uh, i mean i think it's a league of parity and i think the shift is coming because of what happened last year because of what we saw also with Colorado prior to that. And, and a lot of teams have kind of been doing for a while now, the cup winners, which is outside of Tampa, outside of the Rangers, outside of the Islanders, outside of Boston. There aren't really many teams out there that have like a sure thing in that outside of Winnipeg. It's the only reason Winnipeg even makes the playoffs any every year is because of their goalie, but we see what happens. to those And, teams. and what happened to yeah, all of those. Exactly. Teams. And that's the thing. We see what happens to those teams. So I think you're right in the sense of there's a shift in a lot of these teams are looking to, Hey, we're going to ride whoever the hot goalie is. You know, if it's Freddie Anderson for 25 games, it's Freddie Anderson for 25 games, but then maybe it's somebody else for, you know, 15, and maybe it's somebody else for eight, you know, just once, once, once one of them loses it, we're going to go to the other one and see what we have there.
1: Yeah. And, and then I was looking at some articles that looked at, like, advanced statistics, kind of comparing goalies when they play back-to-back nights. Because I kind of think you and I are of the same mind, that if we see the same goalie starting two nights in a row, we go, uh-oh, that's big. No, mistake. actually, yeah,
0: I love it. I think, I think it's – I, it, I go, uh-oh, it's against the rules. But damn, I love that they finally just did the thing that a goalie should do, which is – play back-to-back nights there's nothing and, wrong with that
1: yeah and, and realistically reading into it you don't see that much of a drop-off between the first night and the second night of a goalie when you do that provided they're the you know elite starting mm. types uh where you really start to see diminishing returns is when players or goalies start three games and four mm. nights. that's when you really start to see it take a toll and so like like if I'm if I'm a team that has a I'm on a road trip, I have St. Louis Monday night and then I have Chicago Tuesday or Wednesday night. I'll uh, do respect to Chicago. Uh, if I'm going to have my backup playing that game in Chicago, he doesn't need to be in St. Louis as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Let's get him to Chicago ahead of time, ahead of the team. Let's have him have a really good night rest. Let's do all these things to make sure he's rested, he's ready, he's focused. Again, kind of like they do yeah, in Yeah, I was like,
0: that's very much a baseball thing. I, I think the one thing to that would be the, you just don't want to risk having to go to the emergency goalie. But I get what you're saying. Uh, but what I would say is get them out of there early you kind of can give them the yeah. special treatment of, okay, the minute the game ends, they're gone. Like, they don't have to stick around in the locker room. You get them out of town as quickly as possible. Um, yeah. And, and and again,
1: not to go full history lesson on it, but I think I can see point to specifically what happened that made a lot of this change. Is that because before you and I were born all goalies played stand up goalies and, and they allowed 7 goals a game like it was nothing and the the 70s and 80s yeah. were a wild time 1984 Patrick Waugh comes into the league he's not a stand up goalie he's a butterfly goalie and that was the first time you really started to see that and just Man. how absurdly good he
0: was that's at crazy time so therefore bro. you just you just entered crazy time because yeah, the butterflies there we go even
1: <laughs> and so and so all these goalies coming up behind him are all studying this butterfly style starting to do that Of course, Patrick is superhuman. He was able to do this, have a very long career for a very good while. But when the vast majority of people are doing this, just I don't think the human body is designed to have that much wear and tear and stress on your hips because it's not just the 60 games or whatever that you're playing every year. It's practice. It's after practice when guys are shooting on you. To which, like, hey, if you're playing on the New York Rangers and you're, trying to get better after practice you probably do want to shoot on henrik lundquist the whole time there uh but for every henrik lundquist we know that had a really long decent career there there's all kinds of goalies that played five six years and washed out like remember josh
0: harding no
1: uh he was with uh, minnesota for a while he ended up having a muscular okay yes 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 and yes. had to retire there's a lot of Josh Harding sized careers out there, not just because they came down with debilitating diseases. So I wonder if with this style of goaltending, if you start carrying more of a goaltending roster, you're not as worried about using e-bugs. You're not as worried about, uh, you know, goalies working themselves to death after practice. And, and you don't end up like the Islanders or the Rangers where you're, by the time the playoffs roll around, your guys played 70, 60, 70 games, and he's mm-hmm. just cooked. Yeah. So I don't know how you go about a year carrying three goalies because usually you have you have a 23-man roster and 21 of them end up playing. But realistically, I think you could have one GM's meeting to say, hey, we need an
0: additional roster spot for a third goalie. That's that that's side. what I figured would happen is they would just amend the roster size to accommodate for three goalies you could have tw- you could you could have a 24 person roster but the only way to do that is having a third goalie it's simple enough so yeah, yeah i mean it's it's something to keep an eye on uh but yeah i mean yeah it's, it's, a, a, theory. it's a theory it's probably it's, wrong yeah, well, but exactly we'll, we'll see. see what happens uh after <laughs> tampa and the islanders and all the teams with real goalies go on massive tears and Uh, play well in the playoffs, then we'll be like, oh, maybe you need a goalie. It's a good year to go in on Connor Hellebuck. (laughs) Because you know that's what's going to happen. (laughs) Yeah, Oh, for sure. It's going to be a goalie-goalie year. Like, oh, this experiment of three goalies has not worked out. We need to go back to just one superstar. Everybody's going to pay up for Connor uh, Hellebuck then.
1: (laughs) I'm surprised he hasn't gone somewhere... Already,
0: oh, uh, what Gibson probably first. What,
1: what they kept talking about, well, they keep talking about with Boston, it would make a lot of sense if you're going to do my three goalies theory. Then you need to keep Linus Allmark and Jeremy yeah. Swayman. But if you're not, you could probably trade Jeremy Swayman to Winnipeg for not Blake Wheeler, Blake He's Wheeler's in yard, on, baby, on the Rangers now for. Yeah, for uh not Morsey. Who am I thinking of on the Jets that play center for them? It's up right there on the tip of my tongue. Tip this happens. Tongue, tongue, uh, so yeah, you could send you could send Swayman to Winnipeg for Mark Shifley. Ah, that's what I'm
0: trying to say. Shif-
1: yeah. S- send Jeremy Swayman there to Winnipeg uh, for Mark Shifley. Now Boston gets a decent top line center for a year. And uh now winnipeg has a starting goalie so that frees them up to trade connor hellbuck
0: okay i like how you're playing gm there it's too it's too
1: obvious so yeah never exactly. but but there's other stuff we didn't get to oh yeah the alex to burn that trade. Oh, yeah happened. it did we that haven't trait. talked that about did that did happen as well the, alex galchenyuk has thrown his career away seemingly what happened there there's so much more to get to. One hour is just not going to do it. I guess we'll have to tune oh in next Oh my week.
0: goodness. Things to discuss next week. Boom, boom, boom. All right. Well, then on that note, uh, hit him with the plug, Sean. <laughs>
1: uh, you can find me on what I still refuse to call anything but Twitter, at uh, JT Evans Zero. Uh, they, they updated it to that logo and I deleted it right I off my phone. You. Uh. So, yeah, that has my mental health has not been going great because of
0: mm-hmm. that. Well, that's alright. Maybe go touch some grass, but, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll see what kind I of grass? That's that's what they say. That's what I hear. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Threads, Nick Wonderful. I'm on Threads, uh, and I'm also on the other thing as well, Wonderful underscore Radio. Still hanging out there a little bit. So yay! All right. Uh, until next week everybody. I Thanks for listening.
2: Started, left the girls, a tomb was nearly broken. Hearted saluted father, dear, and kiss me, darling mother. Drink a pint of beer and tears of grief to smother enough to reap the corn. Leave where I was born. Cut to stop the corn of banished ghosts and goblins, brand new pair of brogues, rattling all the bogs, frightening all the dogs on the rocky road to double and one, two, three, four, five. Hold the hair turner down the rocky road, all the way to double and whack for all the dogs. So we restarted he by daylight this morning, bright and early. Took the double of the to keep me heart from sinking. That's the paddy's cure whenever he's on for drinking. I see the lassie small laughing all the while. Be curious, daughter, set your heart a bubble and ask me was I hired? Wages I required to lie. Was sick and tired Up the rocky road to double for one, two, three, four, five. Off the hair, a turner down the rocky road, all the way to double and whack for all the